0: Welcome to Call Your Girlfriends, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatuso. And I'm Ann Friedman. Okay, so today
1: we're going to be answering one bajillion listener questions because we've been woefully neglecting the inbox. And uh, some of these are kind of important.
0: Hi, Ann Friedman. How you feeling? You know, I'm on, on the other side, almost on the other side of a two week illness. So I feel very spry. Drinking a fizzy water, wow. very bubbly. You're back in a big way. <laughs> back in a big way. Yeah. So, yeah. It was touch and go the other
1: day when we talked to you, and you like, you sounded like you were dying, but you were being such a trooper. I was proud of you.
0: I mean, it really gives you a new appreciation for life when you haven't been able to breathe through your nose for several weeks. Like, that first inhalation through your nose is just so dignified and, like, uh, relaxing. I feel that, like, anybody who listens to this podcast
1: thinks that we're just, like, constantly sick and broken, which is, like, also kind of true.
0: Although I like that we destroy the stereotype that, like, only old ladies talk about their illnesses and bodies all the time. Like, I feel like I just always talk about my my illness. (laughs) That's, like, my
1: equivalent of talking about the weather. I'm always like, here's everything that's broken in my body right now. What do you
0: need? Um, wait, but your how's your is your body broken right now? <laughs> no, surprisingly, I am very spry and alert, and I feel oh great. God. Um,
1: I went to the doctor for a checkup the other day, and they were like, all of your illnesses are chilling right now. So I don't know.
0: I feel very powerful right oh, now. Yes. Okay, this is great. Do you feel ready to answer listener questions? <laughs>
1: Yes, uh, I say that just as I pop uh, uh, a Ricola because the one thing that is kind of broken with me is that I've had the same cough for a while, but it's probably allergies. Oh man,
0: I am last night I broke the I can't drink because I'm sick rule and had one drink and I had to have like six Ricola due to a coughing fit immediately after yeah. drinking one beer.
1: No, I'm like a, I'm, I'm weirdly like very Christian scientist
0: right now. Like no medicine, no booze. I feel like great. Ricola, is that acceptable by like world religions that ban I medicine? I so.
1: <laughs> Can I say though, there, you know, I love that people write us all the time. But like, you know, sometimes when you read these and people are like, I need to make a decision about going to grad school tomorrow. Can you guys get back to me right now? those questions really stress me out.
0: Yeah, we're not like a deadline hotline.
1: (laughs) We're not a deadline hotline. We're, I don't know. It's like for the first time, I'm just like, I'm internalizing everybody else's stress. And I'm like, God, there's a lot, there's a lot
0: of pain in the world right now. It's true. But I also think there is something kind of comforting when you actually read a bunch of email in a row and you realize that the people who listen to this show Kind of have variations on the same problems. It's like both comforting and upsetting. That's like, oh, yeah, big problems. I
1: know. But sometimes also they're really funny and sneaky, right? Like some things will say, I know you answer this exact specific <laughs> question, but here's how it applies to me. And it's always these like very vague uh I'm 20 something and I don't know what I want to do with my life. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to
0: do with my life. Call your bestie, call your therapist, call your mom, call your like doctor, call someone who is known to you. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's like, maybe that'll be the name
1: of my own like listener hotline. It'll be like, just Just relax. relax. (laughs) Call your therapist. Call your therapist. Okay. Let's start with these. Do you have one you want to start with? I don't know. I guess we could do, do you want to do friendship first? For listeners who don't know, Anne has organized the agenda, aka the vagina <laughs> agenda, the document that we use to communicate for a podcast. She has arranged it in like beautiful, like listener rubrics, and I've just come in and created chaos into her system.
0: It's fine. Once an editor, forever an editor. Okay, I know. I'm like this is beautiful. Okay, the friendship rubric. Oh my sure. god. Okay, I'm gonna read a question. It begins. I have a life question that maybe you two could help me with. Hmm, Not clear. Okay. I'm a huge fan of shine theory and try to practice it with all my besties. However, I'm having a hard time with my four college besties I've lived with for the past few years. I'm planning on going to graduate school this fall. And while I'm waiting to hear back from schools, I am filled with nerves and anxiety. But they've told me that it hurts their feelings when I talk about moving out and leaving for grad school. I guess I've made them cry. They reprimanded me and won't let me vent about how nervous I am for the future. I understand they are reluctant to the idea of long-distance besties, but now I just feel like they aren't being supportive at all. I've gone out of my way to put as much effort into our friendships while I still have the chance before I move. How can I ask for a little more support and shine for my dreams while also reciprocating friendship vibes? Yo, This is deep. Ugh. I feel like we should be talking to her besties and not to her. Like, she's (laughs) not the problem. Ugh. Okay. I have a very
1: hard line on people who don't want to let you live your dreams or let you go. Like, those people are bad for you. That's my hardliner person who grew up, like, traveling everywhere and having to leave home very young, like, hardline. But, you know... With old age, I'm also softening.
0: Yeah. I mean, also, it's one of those things where it's like, how how is your friendship going to survive beyond college then at all? Like, hate to break it to you, you're going to graduate at some point. Unless this is an old school with ladies type situation, you're not going to be doing this again. So you have to figure out a way to transition your friendship sooner or later.
1: I know. But also just this like general idea of not being supportive of your friends at all as they try to explore new things is really
0: harmful and really sad. I mean, it's hard. I, it definitely comes from a place of fear, which is that when your life changes, your friends have different roles in it sometimes. Like, that's true. That's It's undeniable. Yeah, no. Like, legit, like, the vibe
1: will not be the same. You will not be living in the same house. Your jokes will change. But also, like, guess what? This sort of stuff happens even without people moving away. Truth. One of you getting into some sort of serious relationship, like, it happens when people have kids, it happens when people get married, it happens when, they, you know, like, they make new friends.
0: Right. Or, like, you get sick or you change your major. Or, like, anything big happens. Um, also, Lola,
1: at the time when changing your major it was a big deal.
0: Oh, my God. I'm trying to empathize. It really was at one point. No, I mean, I, I guess. Um <laughs> I sound
1: like such a jerk this is the this is the part where I'm softening right it's like obviously like they're crying because they're sad they're you know the I don't like the idea of them reprimanding her and and also like not creating a space to talk about the future you know and just avoiding it because all that means is that the day that you do move away that's kind of the end of something that, that was there whereas like if they share in your anxiety with you then they're also part of the adventure
0: it's so true. It's, like, sharing in your anxiety about moving is, like, like training wheels toward learning how to, like, talk about your feelings in the next No, phase. totally.
1: Like, I remember when you were moving to L.A. from D.C. and, you know, and it was, like, still, like, baby brand new friendship. It was really nerve-wracking, right? But, like, we talked so much about your job and what you were going to be doing and... Actually, you didn't even move to LA, you moved to Austin, duh. I know, the the lost two months in Austin. <laughs> yeah, right, like, you know, but even just, like, being able to be like, hey, this is a town I used to live in, and here are my friends there, and people that you can, you know, like... Totally, just like feeling like you could still be an extension of your friend's life away is something that's like really important. And it's, you know?
0: Yeah. So like, so this question at the end that just says, how can I ask for a little more support and shine for my dreams? I think it's like almost literally you just wrote what you have to ask for. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you have to, you have to be very direct and you have to be very real. Like this is not
1: one of those times to be shy or to obfuscate like what you really want. What you need is support and shine for your dreams. And that's what you tell your friends because sometimes also that's what they need to hear. Right. You know, they need to hear how hard it is for you because I think that a lot of people, when you're the one that's left behind, you think that the person that's going is just like launching into this fabulous new life and you don't want to hear about the anxiety and the fear that they have, right? And for some people, that's also tied into jealousy. Like that's also undeniable, Mm -hmm. right? And so- creating a space where you can talk about it. If you can be real with them and say, hi, like here are all the things I'm afraid of and here are the things that I need. That's, Honestly, like, to me, that's the only way forward.
0: Yeah, and there's also just a little bit of work, too, of reassuring them and being like, "Uh, I want to continue this friendship in the next phase. You know, like, sometimes actually literally just being like, you're important to me and you're going to stay important to me. That's why I need your help right now is sort of a nice thing to hear. One practical thing that I will say
1: is plan the next time that you're going to see them, even if it's, like, very far in advance. After the talk, capital T. After the talk and after the move, even if it's like, hi, I'm not going to see you guys till Thanksgiving, like make a plan for Thanksgiving
0: mm-hmm.
1: or like, you know, whatever like dinner next week <laughs> that thing is so that you have something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, But also like to everybody, don't be a friend that does this, like yeah. holds your friends back. Like that's the real problem. You don't want to be that person. And imagine when there's like three of them or no, four colleges. Oh my God. Dude. That's so intense. You know, so there's like, it's like four versus one. Yes, like, you're hurt, and yes, you're scared or whatever, but the four of you will have each other, and your other friend is, like, launching out on her own. Like, she's going to be all alone.
0: Oh, so, yeah. Hard talks.
1: (laughs) It's one of those things where, like, if you want to avoid the hard talk, there's no way around it. Yeah,
0: it's true. Okay, good luck. Good luck to you, grad school bestie. Good luck in grad school. (laughs) We're pulling for you. I know. Don't get in too much debt, okay? <laughs> yeah, we're pulling Good for luck. your finances most of all. <laughs> <laughs> and study something useful. <laughs> Oof. Now we've added new anxiety.
1: Next question. I was wondering how you two deal with the reality that is FOMO. FOMO is fear of missing out, for those of you that don't know. As a staunch supporter of social media, I would never ever consider deleting any of my respective (laughs) accounts, but at times I feel like it just becomes too difficult not to compare myself to all the girls who seem to be living the better version of my life. Would love to hear any and all sage advice and wisdom.
0: Oof. I mean...
1: Okay, go ahead. I was going to say something very controversial.
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, I was just going to note that this email subject line is Fan Love and Questions and I enjoy that this person <laughs> is putting us in a DJ Khaled context. So that was all I, I was going to say. I'm keys. Keys, major keys. Hit me with the hard, the hard keys right now. So I have a hard key.
1: I generally do not suffer from FOMO because I like don't really compare myself to other people, which is both like a blessing and a curse. All of the people who are living like fabulous lives on social media, I can never imagine myself being them. So there was never an element of comparison. Some of it has to do with being a person of color. Some of it has to do with being a fat woman. Some of it has to do with also just like the way that I was brought up and being like a weird kid, like what other people had, like wasn't for me. So this is kind of a hard question to, to answer, But I, um, in fact, experienced FOMO very recently, and I told our friend Dayo about it. Dayo's a friend who brought us together. And Dayo's maybe like the number one sufferer of FOMO. Like, she's at everything all the time because she's like the most fabulous person that we know. But I really think that having a perspective where you really recognize that people put their best selves forward on social media, for example, And that that's all a mirage. Like, you can't tell, like, all of the lifestyle bloggers that you follow. Like, I follow so many of them. You can't tell what their hard days are or, you know, like, what's going on in their lives or what any of their anxieties are. Their job is to make you want, is to be aspirational and have that, like, fun aspect of life. So just even, like, knowing that from the gate helps you to realize Nobody is giving you the full picture of what's going on in their lives on social media.
0: I think that this is something I suffer from less and less the older I get. And it's not tied to social media for me either. But um, I definitely think at other points in my life when I was less happy with my job or like with my living situation and I was... Dead broke. I mean, not that my life is perfect now, but I think my life was harder ten years ago. For example, there was definitely FOMO is the wrong term. I mean, like straight up jealousy is maybe a better term for it. And I don't know. You're right. Like just thinking about the people who you are jealous of because. They look a certain way or do a certain thing or got a certain opportunity. Do you really want all of the things that come along with that? Even then, if I was really honest, I'm like, I don't want to fully trade places with either of these people. Like, I want this, like, tiny slice of a thing that they have. And most of the time it was like, oh, yeah, that's actually attainable for me, too. Not, like, tomorrow, but if I really, really want cute bangs I can try them well I've had some bad bangs in my life we can oh my god I've been I've been there for you through some bad bangs I mean right so sometimes you can't have the things that you want but but you can try them you know but also
1: you know I think that it's this like being very real with yourself that also sometimes there is a little bit of joy in like just not liking someone or not liking an aspect of their life you know so that's also like weirdly tied into this thing You're just like, this person's so happy all the time, or they have everything all the time. Like, ugh. Like, you just don't want
0: to be a part of it. Oh, it's true. And I think that, like, if there is someone or something that makes you feel bad consistently, like, that's an easy unfollow. (laughs) I know. I'm also, like, such
1: a proponent of the opposite of this, Jomo, the joy of missing out. I, like, (laughs) hate it. You know, it's, like, sometimes, like, you'll see a party on social media that all your friends are at, or some vacation that everybody went on or whatever. And the truth is that like, if you're really honest, you know exactly how it went, you know, like what the good things and the bad things were looking back and saying like, this is great, but I didn't need to be a part of
0: it. It's true. Oh my God. I'm totally adopting Jomo. Because, you know, there's also, it's really interesting, too, if, like, I I think about my own life and the things that I post. Some of my best weeks where I'm, like, oh, I'm just doing good work and I'm, like, living my life at home and I'm just, like, I'm having a great time. Like, nothing Instagram-worthy happens. Right, like, that doesn't doesn't translate to the gram. Exactly. And, like, other times when I'm really busy and stressed and running around and doing a million things for some reason, maybe it's how I process stress, there are things to Instagram. It's weird. It's, like, the internet is just not, like, this corner and this, like, vision of the internet is just not reality
1: yeah it's just like not representative of who people are it always makes me laugh when like people have like terrible social media presences because i'm just like oh my god this is all theater (laughs) this is the one place it's like your friends and your families know that you're a jerk but like literally internet strangers don't have to know that you can just like charm them with like pictures of avocado slices and you know like coachella and all of this stuff and Strangers don't have to know any of that stuff about you. Like, all of that is, like, very well curated. It's, like, if you want to be really earnest about it, you can do that, too. Like, that's fine. But I think that in terms of just, like, taking a really hard look at somebody's life, technology just makes it easier for people to catfish you. Like, that's all, that's, like, all of what technology is. You know? So, any, so, I don't know. And maybe for me, it's, like, I just, it's, like, where I work. So, I'm so hyper aware of it. Yeah. People make really hard choices about, um, and and sometimes not so hard choices about like what they want to portray um, and who they want to be online. And again, like this is why the emphasis on like your real close IRL friendships is so important because you can feel this false sense of intimacy with people who you, uh, how you interact with people online. And that's not to say that like real friendships don't come from the internet because I have like amazing internet friends and people who have like transitioned into becoming like real IRL friends, it's just really taking all of it with a grain of salt. And if you don't do that hard work of like actually like asking people, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? All of the stuff that's like beyond the artifice, you won't really get to know someone ever.
0: Right. And so, I don't know, yeah, with people who you actually know, who you have FOMO with, like, sometimes you can just ask, be like, hey, how was that party? How was your vacation? How are you doing in general? Like, I feel like that diffuses it so fast for me. Um, and if they are people you don't know, then, like, why do you care? Totally.
1: And that's the other thing, I guess, that we've been trying to say this whole time is that, like, things like FOMO, like, all live in your head. You're making assumptions based on a movie that you think you've seen. But when you get to the bottom of it and you really ask people like what the experience of it was, you, you realize that like, it's a little more different than that. Oh my God. Okay.
0: So Jomo forever.
1: <laughs> Jomo forever. The joy of missing out. People are awful. Just enjoy your own self and <laughs> do what you got to do. Ooh, what a blessing. Um, I just love saying the word blessing. Blessings. Um, blessings.
0: <laughs> blessings on blessings on blessings on blessings. Prayer hands emoji.
1: My God. Okay, more questions. Or
0: do you want to read Dr. Update? Ooh, okay. We have a really
1: great Dr. Update. <laughs> I have put it in a rubric that is garbage, so I won't even read it. But, but this email made me really happy, and I'll tell you why it's the end. Hi, Ann and Aminatou. I've been listening to your podcast almost from the beginning, whoop, whoop, and telling all my <laughs> friends about it to the point where they sort of laugh at my constantly singing your praises. <laughs> this is,
0: so this is embarrassing. So
1: embarrassing. But for the first time, I have received a tangible benefit from listening to you.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, my God.
1: I so much enjoyed your all menstruation episode a few weeks ago, but it got me thinking about my own period and how it hasn't been regular for a little while, although I wasn't sure how long. I've had occasional spotting and I'm not trying to get pregnant, so I sort of let it slide. It wasn't as though I missed the horrible cramps and the two weeks of every month that I felt crappy. My primary doctor, who was also my gynecologist, a hot tip, you want to make the PCP the vagina doctor always, started flaking out on me, and I'm not good about going to the doctor anyway, so it just got longer and longer since I'd seen her. After that menstruation episode, I looked in my period journal and saw that it had been almost 18 months since I'd had a proper week-long period. I thought, well, that's no good, especially since uterine and ovarian cancers run in my family. I found a new doctor, made an appointment, told her everything about myself and my age, including things I'd never told my previous doctor, and had a lot of tests and blood work. I just got the results back, and while not all of them are good, none of them are as bad as I was afraid they would be. So I just wanted to let you know that listening to your show actually got me in a doctor's office after almost four years, and to thank you for being my inspiration in this. Looking forward to more menstruation updates in the future.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, so honestly, the notion that only men put off going to the doctor and are scared to go to the doctor is so wrong. Women put it off, All the time, yeah. Especially millennial women. I remember when I had this like
1: really well, all of the crazy jobs I'd had. I always felt guilty for taking like two or three hours in the day to go to the doctor, and it's not like doctors' offices are opened after hours or on weekends. Totally. And I never thought that that was a legitimate reason to go until the one time I went, and it like like saved my life.
0: It's also it's just unpleasant and like you know whatever all the basic reasons. Yeah, totally. Or like you don't want to go because you don't want to hear bad news
1: this whole thing about it'd been like 18 months since she had a regular period that like hits home to me because that's mm-hmm. why I started using a period tracker you know and then seeing like oh actually it's been four years that my period has been fucked up but I yeah. was not really it's like every month you just go eh, next month I'll take care of this next month I'll take care of this time then, flies yeah time flies way to go Rachel so proud of you everybody should go see a doctor I love this email for many reasons. Even this thing about like being really honest with your doctor and telling them all these things you had never told your other doctor. My doctor and I
0: have like a very special relationship. So I appreciate that. Oh, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly on the hunt for a gynecologist I actually love. I have this history, and maybe this is actually super, super common, of having doctors who... Ask me if I have weird syndromes that I maybe everyone. This is a doctor's job to ask you if you have syndromes, I guess. But I feel like every time I go, it's like, have you heard of this syndrome named after like an Austrian doctor from the eighteen hundreds? <laughs> right. I know but, you can tell all of that from just looking at my face. Totally. Or yeah. Or like most recently, I was. I was. At, I went to the gynecologist like just a few weeks ago, and my doctor like felt my feet in the stirrups, and she was like, "Your feet are really cold. Are they always cold?" And I was like, "Totally." Like. That is just a way, this is just my body. My hands and feet are always cold. And she was like, well, that's actually related to an autoimmune disorder. And she like, <laughs> I know. And it's like things that like. Well, I mean, you know, Anne, everybody knows that you have Marfins. I can't even talk about disorders that people have thought I have because I'm like a, a tall lady.
1: Because you're a tall babe. And they're like, yeah. her life can't be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. But again, another reason for having like one, it is a pain. I'm not going to lie. It is a pain to find a doctor that you like, that you can work with, that will listen to you. And for me, I was kind of propelled into that after like some weird like illness shit a couple of years ago. I had to learn the hard way. But I think that it's worth hunting around and finding. It's like, especially if you're right now in a period where you are healthy this is the best time for you to find a primary care physician. My advice is usually to like ask other people around you. I love sending the email to like all my lady friends, being like, "Hi, I need a dentist, I need a dermatologist, I need a gynecologist," and have people do the internal Yelp of what they think about their own doctors. Mm-hmm. But I think that like going also to the doctor as a consumer, you're like you're in shopping mode. If you don't like them, you can make a choice, right? As opposed to like when you're actually sick and your insurance is shitty and you're forced into finding different people, it's, like, worth doing the hunt,
0: like, a little bit. I feel like this is actually a really good friend accountability thing to do. Are you actually happy with your doctor? Like, maybe we can both pledge that we're going to find a doctor or, like, I'm going to hold you accountable because it's something that I know I put off and put off and put off and put off for myself. Yeah,
1: no, and, and when you find a doctor in an emergency and there's, like, the stress of just, like, whatever is ailing you, you know, the money part of it, and you're just like at the mercy of this person's like opinions. It's really, it's not a good look. It's true. This is all of my advice. My medical advice usually consists of this: I'm like, find a doctor when you're not sick, and also uh, get Plan B when you don't need it. Like, oh my god, it's in my cheese drawer. And I it's know. in my fridge. Mine's in my fridge too. I'm just like. I always do this every couple of months. I'll like go to a fancy brunch and then I'll like, uh, I'll hop around <laughs> pharmacies and get like three or four of them, even though it's a little bit of dollars, keep them in my fridge. Because you know, when you don't need to be shopping for plan B is when you actually have an emergency you know like you're stressing out and then the like like god forbid the pharmacist says some like crazy Christian fundamentalist shit to you like that's not when you need it so have it at home and like pass it on to your friends nothing makes me happier than being the like the plan B lady it's part of my also- it's
0: part of my slut kit If you keep it in the cheese drawer, like I do, then it's like, it's like you remind yourself regularly. Like every time I go to get a dairy treat, I'm like, oh, like I actually, this is here. Should I check the expiration date? Like it is a, it is like a, it is just the best feeling to be prepared.
1: Seriously. It's like, keep one for yourself and keep one for a friend. Emergencies are real.
0: Oh, okay. PSA over (laughs) PSA. This, yeah, this email made
1: me so happy.
0: So this letter says, I'm a 29-year-old female, and I consider myself fairly confident and outspoken on most occasions, but I have, and have always had, a tiny squeaky voice. In almost all work situations, I've had someone comment on how I sound like a baby or like a Disney character. In social situations where I'm meeting someone new through a friend, I also have at least one comment about my voice, but it's always a compliment, or I choose to take it as such. Either way, my voice and accent is always a topic of conversation. One day, I might be able to use this to my advantage as a children 's show voice actor <laughs> Oof. Um, but my current career trajectory this has not been an advantage. I remember the first time I ever felt ashamed of it was when I had to work when I had a work review, and my supervisor said the only thing I could improve on was to change my voice. It was a well-intentioned comment because I do know that my voice makes me sound childish and possibly in that scenario unprofessional. But the thing that makes me so upset is that this is my voice. I do not put it on to be girly or to appear feeble. I loved the movie with Lake Bell called In a World, where she terms it sexy baby voice. I have a fear that this is what people assume I am emulating, but honestly, I know no other way to speak. Anyway, the issue is that now I'm a PhD student and I need to do a 30-minute oral presentation at the end of this year for candidature. I'm wondering your thoughts and or advice on whether I should hone a more adult voice or whether I can just rock my baby voice, as long as I know my topic really well and present confidently. In a perfect world, I would have been a mixture of Morgan Freeman, David Attenborough, and Gina Davis's voice, but I don't think that's going to happen. I also feel very attached to the voice that has gotten me this far in life.
1: Yeah, this email made me, makes me so rage angry on behalf of this person because she like can't be mad for herself. It's like, yes, your voice is tiny and squeaky, and the only reason that... It's a problem is because society is awful and women just get scrutinized more by their voices. You know, but it, it's it's her voice, right? You can't control what comes out of the voice box. That's ridiculous.
0: They've actually done studies on women um, who are sort of, Pi, like early early career or early pioneers in like finance and other white collar male dominated fields where the women consistently were dropping their voices like exactly what this person is writing us about um, in order to deepen their voices at meetings and stuff and they wrecked their vocal cords like like women there was actually damage to their vocal cords from trying to emulate like a deeper more male pattern of speech and like this is one of those things where like we both have pretty deep voices I feel like for for women or definitely not like on the higher pitch end of the spectrum, but I I have friends who who have very high pitched voices, and it's something that like I've talked about with them too, as like they feel pressure um, or they they don't think that they're taken seriously.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I I sympathize with that, right? But then it's like you look at all of the other stuff that also makes people not take women seriously, and this is just like one more excuse that people have, right? On a very small level, like this question of like getting like professional help or whatever it's a thing that I've explored because you know I was like maybe I talk a little too crazy and it's not professional and I want to learn how to talk like a grown-up I went to a couple of like voice lessons and let me tell you it's like people who work in public radio do this in fact the person who recommended um the people that I went to was a she's she's a radio host and I was like, sure, like, this is fine when it comes to, like, inflection and, you know, like, diction and whatever. But at the end of the day, it's also just, like, teaching people that there is one specific way to talk. Right, to be taken seriously. Yeah, to be taken seriously if you're a woman, and I deeply chafe at that.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's interesting because it, it sort of reminds me, too, of conversations about vocal fry that we've had before or just in general ways of saying if this is a way that women seem to speak naturally we should be figuring out why it's bad and like getting them to change it as opposed to examining our own assumptions about why that's not great but it's definitely a hard thing where you're like you know she says i like my voice it's gotten me this far in life i don't want it to change but it's it's one of those things where you're like if it's actually impeding my success i don't know i understand like the the temptation to say like how do i make people more comfortable
1: no totally right and and this is the thing that even men suffer from right there was this like great documentary i think it was this year last year maybe about like gay voice essentially mm-hmm. and that was such a revelation to me and just in my own struggles with how i sound i was like very oblivious to the fact that there is definitely like a testosterone soaked like manly voice and that it, it, essentially like everybody is trying to get there and just the way yeah. that it's like really gendered and it's like also sexualized you know i think about like david beckham right who's like really good looking guy but has a very high pitched voice and people some people are really turned off by that and people make fun of him And but at the same time it's like you know to quote Beyonce best revenge is your
0: paper It's true. It's interesting, too, because that that gay voice documentary, which I also watched, there's a whole thread to it that is sort of about disliking voices that sound feminine or sound more feminine, even in the gay community. And it makes you realize just how pervasive the bias is. So I don't know. I mean, I think... Your voice sounds great, probably. And I think, I mean, I haven't heard it. I'm sure it sounds great because it's like, it's your voice and you are being smart. Yeah, I don't know. What would it look like to actually confront the people that suggest that and say, this is actually the register in which I speak. I can't change it. This is the way my body is built. Because like part of it is like your your vocal patterns are like literally parts of your body. This is like, yeah, (laughs) it's a body issue.
1: I don't know. I say if you like your voice, don't let society tell you to do anything different with it use it as a way to like educate people on what kind of assholes they're being every chance you get. And it's so ridiculous that like your voice is something that can hold you back, but this is the world that we live
0: in. Right. So re listen to also the vocal fry pep talk episodes. Cause I feel all of that stuff applies and mm. shout out to all of our like high pitched voice listeners. I, know. <laughs> I was, um, I'm trying
1: to find this email that one of the voice coaches wrote me. On some stuff. Oh, so there's all this research that men and women, when they are in love or they're interested with someone, they try to match or like that person's voice patterns. Right. And so like women's voices will get huskier and men's voices will get like really high pitched. Whoa. And I was like, interesting change in tonality. As, uh, huh. as romantic interest, which is neither here nor there, but I just remember that as an interesting thing.
0: I like the idea though of this of this listener being like, so actually, it bothers me that your vocal register is so much lower than mine. If you could raise it just a little, it would help me, like, yeah, to communicate with you. Can't fall in love with <laughs> you unless you're like you're hanging
1: on my on my voice pitch. Ugh, yeah, yeah. No, this listener, you are the jam. You know what? Like, you've gotten this far in life. Nothing's gonna stop you.
0: Yeah, and just, like, insert here, like, the highest-pitched Mariah Carey note. Just, like, out. That is <laughs> perfect. Yeah, yeah.
1: You can find us many places on the internet, on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com, download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, or on iTunes, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can tweet at us at callyrgf, or email us, callyrgf at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, you can find that one on your own, or on our uh, really fun Instagram at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. This podcast is produced by Gina Delvac.
0: Gina Delvac. (laughs) Ow, ow. Awesome. See you on the internet. I know. See you on the internet, boo-boo. Feel better. Always.